Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Ho, 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 David. We're at the end of the year. What have you got? What have we got for our 2,000 plus subscribers? Well, John, for our 2,000 plus subscribers, we actually have been about, it's been about 2,500 days since we started Care Talk. So we'll have a, a lot of good things Whoa. to talk about. It is our... It is our favorite time of year. I'm glad you got something in your bag of toys or whatever it uh, may be, and we'll be able to chat about that. A few holiday plans going anywhere fun after you deliver all the toys. I think we're gonna we're gonna be staying home. I think we're kind of pulling back a little bit with the with the new waves of the virus, but we're gonna be spending time with family either way. What Ooh. about you? Well, I'm giving everybody my favorite gift uh, this time of year. I'm going to give everybody a subscription to Care Talk, John. I got to dig deep for that. I'd, I'd be buying your rapid tests. I think everybody should be doing more rapid tests, including you, David. I was going to do a rapid test, slow test, all the good tests, John. And I was thinking of getting you a little gift. I think it may be an NFT, you know, non-fungible <laughs> test kit. Yeah. The, the, uh, the challenge with those non-fungible tokens is uh, you keep wanting to sell me art with your picture on it. I just don't think that makes much sense. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we can we can blot it out or something like that. Maybe gouge out the eyes and to make it more more exciting. So, you know, if you think back to to twenty twenty one, such as it has been, you know, I would say clearly the vaccine has been the big theme of the year, and we'll discuss that. But you know, well, sort of like that's a shocker. That's a shocker. Yeah, that's a vaccines. Shocker. Good, good. I but I, but I do think this is the year of the vaccine. It is clearly. So let's say what else has it been the year of? And I have some other proposals, John, for themes. So one one theme that I thought is the year of ending dementia, because now that people found out that Viagra can reduce dementia, I think there's going to be not a problem. You know, there may be some hesitancy with the vaccine. There's no hesitancy with the Viagra once you find out it's good for you. I, I, that that Cleveland Clinic study is remarkable. That there appears to be something in the Viagra. I know that you are personally doing market tests, which I applaud. To kind of in your in your quest to cure or curb dementia, but dementia is a devastating disease. It's it'll certainly make a lot of late middle aged men and women happy to know that uh, there is a a happy path uh, to to be to to protect against this horrible disease. Now, John, you know when they first did the test with Viagra, they were they were testing it for blood pressure. And uh, they sort of didn't go that well, but at the end of it, they like, you know, told people to, you know, give back the remaining pills and everybody wanted to stay on it. And that's when they found out, you know, through some research of what it had done, it actually was used for uh, growing hair and there's a version of it for that. Um, uh, and then as well as it's a, uh, it's version, it's a, uh, it's availability for ED. Now, John, I noticed that you are wearing a cap and I'm wondering whether you have had any extra hair growth from uh, taking part in these d- dementia tests there. I, I, I think that the, it's great good news that we've got something that will help with dementia. But what else have you got that we didn't end up making the grade for the year of? Well, John, the last point I'll make about that is it's good to see you thinking with a big head again. I'll just say that. Now, in terms of other things for uh, this year, one, uh, you had something to do with, believe it or not, Sean, you're making history, you're making, you're making news, which is about the retailers jumping into healthcare and especially in primary care and uh, you know, other things like care to the home. Uh, for example, Walgreens. I mean, I mean, let's, 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 now we're talking. Uh, but I don't think it's making news, and I think it's not less jumping in than doing the logical migration as healthcare becomes more retail oriented, and a lot of startup companies with tech enabled services are trying to create a better retail experience. 
and retailers are recognizing the crappy you know, retail experience of most healthcare. And I do think it's really interesting. Where where CareCentrics is uh, is taking a, got a majority investment from. Uh, Walgreens, we're going to focus on care to the home, but Walgreens has made a big investment with a great company, Village MD. CVS, Aetna, was very clear in Karen Lynch's uh, 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 annual or quarterly call, uh, the CEO, who said they're going to be uh, aggressively hiring primary care doctors. I think it's sort of interesting that you've got the Walmarts, the Amazons, and the Walgreens, uh, and CVS is hiring primary care doctors. Maybe this is a way to uh, to cure physician burnout is start up your new career with a uh, by, by providing primary care at a retail location near you, David. Yeah, well, I have, there's not too many retail locations near me, thankfully, given my uh, remote uh, remote listing. But I would say you're you're being a little too kind to some of the others. I think actually I'm going to rank them for you, John. I think Walgreens is number one in this spot, not just because of Carecentrics. We'll put that aside, but VilgeMD. I think Walmart is number two, as uh, Marcus Osborne told us about just really with the laser focus on cost. Uh, Amazon, I would put next <clears throat> with some of uh, what they're doing, uh, mostly on the telehealth side, but also opening some physical clinics. And CVS, yeah, they're making some efforts, but I think they, they have a pretty poor experience uh, in my opinion. So I'm going to put them forth. So you don't, you're more diplomatic, John. That's my ranking. Walgreens, Walmart, Amazon, CVS bringing up their rear of the big boys. Well, let, well, let's let's talk my favorite topic, which you refuse to put in to the top tier, which is drug pricing. I actually think we're on the cusp of actually making some making some progress here. I mean, for the first time in years, uh, there's actual legislation that's being debated. I worry about the K Street criminals, the lobbyists who come in late at night and steal the children's toys, as it were. Who are looking to limit or or eliminate uh, provisions that would, for example, cap the cost of insulin, which is devastating for diabetics who have to sometimes pay as much as a thousand dollars a month. This would cap those expenses. Uh, that would allow the, the the government to impose a tax for those uh, pharma companies that are overcharging uh, customers, plan, uh, patients, and health plans. Um, on the Part B drugs, and it starts to establish a foundation of uh, balancing the uh, the currently unbalanced table between government and private payers and big pharma companies. I think that's big news, David. Why don't you think that? John, you know, around this time of year, my grandmother used to carry around these little candies in her pocket, and that way she could always be buddies with the with with the with the kids, the grandkids, and always wanted to hang out with her. And so I feel like I should bring. You know, that if I bring that topic to the show, I'll get you excited about it uh, every time. I'm happy to talk about that, John. Listen, you know, when I was studying economics, the first example they gave was about price elasticity. And they said, you know, something like insulin, you know, you, you have to have it because you're going to die if you don't have it. And therefore, it's typically regulated in terms of the price and it's, it's kept low. But uh, that seems to have uh, you know, gone the other I the will keep bringing back drug pricing until it gets, becomes top of the list. I, but I agree with you, David. This is much more of a year about the vaccines than, than, of, than of, of drug pricing. But I mean, is there really anything new to say about the vaccines? I mean, they're, they're out. Well, let's just have a little recap, John, because at the beginning of the year, we had the rollout. We had the vaccines were already approved, had fallen short of the potential. And there was some surprises like West Virginia was way up there on the top of the list and Massachusetts was was down low. We were going crazy. People that wanted the vaccine trying to get access. Biden team came in, made a pretty big difference. Um, you know, the previous administration had fallen on its face 
in terms of getting the distribution done right. Biden made a big difference on that. Where it didn't work out so well, we're supposed to have the you know 4th of July, they say like with corn, knee high by the 4th of July. And it was supposed to be 70% with one shot by the 4th of July and didn't quite make it there. And we're just over that now. So vaccine hesitancy or downright refusal is much further ahead, much further ahead than but it should I, be. But you've got to see this as a bipartisan win. We're over 71% of America has got vaccines. We've got a modest, we're starting to build up when you combine that number with the number of people who've had COVID, we're actually starting to kind of reach some level of immunity or, or, or activated antibodies and programming the system. I, I think it's the, whether it's the invention, the, the, the scaling and the distribution, I think one of our challenges in this particular um, uh, category, like everything else, is that we don't set expectations right. If we said, look, we're going to try to vaccinate as many people as we can and, and, and we're more nuanced about it, um, and we were honest about how this Delta virus, like most pandemics, is going to take some time, uh, like, the, like whether it's Alpha or Delta or Omicron, to clear, um, I think we probably, you wouldn't be as disappointed with that target. We set very aggressive targets. And then I think people, I think that's one of the challenges here. I, 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 lo- I look at that rollout as a pretty, pretty successful one, particularly at a time when vaccines have been you know, effectively politicized. Well, John, I guess the, the Viagra makes you unduly optimistic in addition to whatever positive. I am positive optimistic. I, now, I'm gonna, we're now, I get, still seeing increases in vaccination to this day. I mean, the whether it's the expansion uh, to the pediatric categories, which happened late in the year, which is super important because you can't not vaccinate a big chunk of the population. Uh, you're seeing a wide access uh, for everyone who wants to get a vaccine. Uh, you're seeing creeping support uh, for the boosters, even from Republican leadership. David, this is the time of year of forgiveness and optimism. I think yeah. this is a win. Tis, okay. Tis the season to be realistic, John. Now, let me, let me, so 71%, first of all, is a C minus. And it's only on like the first question, right? 71% with the first shot. The virus doesn't give a damn, John, about what you think is an ambitious target. It doesn't care. And what we're finding with Omicron is, you know what works? Having three shots. And the number that have gotten that is much lower. I have it. You have it. Many of our listeners do. So what's going to save us actually is not going to be the vaccine in the end. Uh, it's going to be treatments. And fortunately, Pfizer uh, has a, there's a new pill that is, is likely to work. And you know what? The healthcare system is much better at. It's, it sucks at public health, John. It stinks at being able to get everything out to people on, a, you know, on an even basis. But it's pretty good at when somebody shows up at the emergency room, stick them with something or well, give them a pill. I, I think that's a, that's a legitimate point. You're already seeing whether it's the monoclonal antibodies that were more oriented toward the original uh, virus um, that may need to be tweaked for Omicron, but nonetheless, the monoclonal antibodies are revolutionary. That's the infusible drugs that get, that that give your body a fighting chance by creating the basically lifting the antibodies and, and allowing your body to be better prepared as the disease takes takes a piece out of you. The new pills uh, from Merck and Pfizer are really interesting because they substantially reduce the risk of severe hospitalization and death. Uh, but there's still a big chunk of the strategy that's left out, which is testing, testing, testing. And I will keep bringing it up, David, until we finally realize that that the pervasive low cost or no cost use of, of antigen tests really could allow us to manage through this 
with the vaccine numbers we've got, but you are still being too negative. We're still seeing vaccine, the numbers of vaccinated at second and third dose grow every day. And I think that the reality of increasing hospitalizations, and in some cases, uh, rapid increases in test positivity as we go from living outdoors to living indoors and people have let down their guard, um, I think you're going to see more and more people get the vaccine. I mean, I think there's a lot of noise around the mandates. I suppose now you want to go into the mandates, which is another difficult topic. But on the basic progress, um, we're making progress, David, every day. Well, I don't think you're actually trying hard enough, John, because I want to see you talk until you're actually blue in the face and you're still looking pretty ruddy uh, at the moment. But yeah, the, the, I would say one of the things that you made as a, as a prediction relatively early on in the pandemic, and which I, which I snagged away from you and claimed as my own, was the idea that uh, that public health was going to be like security after 9-11. That's what the pandemic was going to do. And instead, public health is in tatters, John. It's like if the TSA was like the no SA, you know, that would be like if they, well, if I mean, everybody think, abandoned their posts I, in the airport and then you could just wander through because people were tired of it. I, I don't think a metal detector is, is good. It could cause a problem. Well, it's, you know, you make a really interesting point because we treat public health very differently than public security. Public security um, where you would have the tragedy of the commons, where if one person doesn't play or a few people don't play, then it makes everybody riskier, is exactly the same situation we've got with the virus. And I would have expected at this point for more people to embrace public health. But the failure isn't just in this social tribal breakup that you're referring to. It, it also is we don't have uh, a persistent and clear and transparent access to standardized information about where the virus is. We have 50 different state public health departments. And in states like um, New York, even county level public health departments uh, that are that are that are that have a very uneven level of infrastructure leadership and, and an even less predictable funding. And I would have expected, and I'm hoping, and you're seeing it in some of the, the trillions of dollars of bills that have been passed, that we're gonna push money down to those local public health authorities. And that's still one of the biggest gaps. And so even with and I mark the vaccine rollout as a B to a B plus, I still think we need to put a lot more money into public health just so that we know the issues we're dealing with. And we've got talented resources on the ground ready to do because this pandemic risk, the current pandemic indicates that from a public security slash health perspective, we're vulnerable and you will only be really protected from new variants and other random or targeted bio, uh, bio, biological risks if we've got uh, a great public health infrastructure. And so I, I do want to kind of double click on that. And I think you're completely right, but you're still, the vaccines, are, David, the vaccines are working. The fact right. that three doses stop helps. Well, they're working, they're working for me. I am going to claim a religious exemption when I go to the airport next time and just zoom my way through the uh, through the through the gate and jump on the plane. I, I get an exemption. I need to fly in first class also without paying for it. So John, you know who had a good year this year? Care Talk. You know that? You know, we had have a pretty good year. We had an uh, episode every week. We had 1.3 million total views during 2021, over $6.3 million of watch time. But you know, I guess now you know what, what are people doing with their spare time, John? They're watching us. Well, I think we're, we're lucky. We, we are honored and humbled by the number of people who've tuned in, dialed in, listened or watched. And we thank you. We hope we're informing. We, we, it's, we hope we're at times entertaining. Uh, but we know that we are we are only as good as the audience, and we've got a pretty darn good audience. 
David, and we're lucky to have you. So thank you, listeners. Yeah, well, it's pretty good, you know. But I, I'm I'm always humbled. I'm humbled by all the time, John, and including by our, our subscribers, which are over over two thousand, and we get tens of thousands of uh, listeners and viewers per per show. We did a couple of other did a couple of milestones this uh, this year. We're partner official partner now with YouTube, so if you tune in, you'll see we're often uh, featured. But isn't as an official isn't source. everyone an official partner of YouTube? <laughs> no, John, it's like you're an official partner of Viagra. It doesn't work like that. We are also uh, part of the Health Podcast Network, which is an elite indication uh, that shows we have the we, really- we think it's elite. Yeah, we, we really do. think it's very elite. And John, I know where some of the uh, the shows that we like to go to are are being canceled or virtualized, like the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. But we did manage to make it back to health, and we did. We, we had pretty good set of interviews there, John. Who was your favorite to speak with? Oh, I think John Bush is probably the unpredictable winner from a who knows what he's going to say next perspective and always something interesting and always provocative and and often 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 on point and targeted and i think from a from a covid perspective i always think listening to uh uh Blythe, dr Blythe is uh absolutely she's just um so thoughtful about what the real problems are and how to solve them? I, those are my two favorite. What about yours? I liked, uh, you know, Pat Garrity and and uh, and from Florida Blue and Amy Abernathy at, at Verily and, and formerly of the FDA. And I'll give a honorable mention to Dan uh, Mendelson because we always like to give him a hard time, especially now that he's sold out uh, to Morgan uh, Healthcare. In any case, we'll see if he listened all the way to the to the end of the show to pick up that one and can leave us an appropriate comment. John, it's been a pleasure care talking with you. This year, and to remind everybody else, I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group, and I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thank you so much, listeners. You've made this a special year for us, and we would love more of you to subscribe. And in any case, we wish you all a great and safe holiday.